0: Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Hey, y'all, it's Bridget here. I had the honor and pleasure of chatting with the owner and founder of Sia Whiskey, Karine Luna Asaseski. Karine is a first-generation Cuban-American And she set out to create a multi-award winning Scotch whiskey brand that would change the way people think about the category. She decided to seek these new horizons in the form of a grand tour of her local whiskey purveyor, 300 bottles of whiskeys, and countless of tastings events later. She became a dedicated student of this amazing spirit. Karin eventually left her 17-year-old career as a creative director and successfully founded Sia Scotch Whiskey on Kickstarter.com. Through Sia, Karin formed the Entrepreneurial Spirit Fund with a purpose to challenge others to achieve the unexpected. In addition to the $250,000 donated to small businesses owners of color in 2021, this year, Sia Scotch Whiskey is pledging to provide, get this folks, an additional $110,000 to those in need. Wow. The program will also offer recipients access to mentorship from Luna Osadeski herself, who is one of the first Hispanic people in history to create a Scotch Whiskey brand and has faced a myriad of challenges and obstacles during her own entrepreneurial journey. The Entrepreneurial Spirit Fund by Sia Scotch will award $10,000 grants to 11 qualifying entrepreneurs who self-identify as people of color for a total of $110,000. To apply, visit hialice.co slash Sia Scotch Fund between now and September 26, 2022. To be eligible, the business owner must be a citizen or legal permanent residence of the United States 25 years or older, must operate in at least one of the following states, California, Colorado, Connecticut, Florida, Georgia, Illinois, Maine, Minnesota, New Jersey, Nevada, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, or Texas. For complete eligibility criteria, and important restrictions, visit the application site. The grant recipients will be announced on November 1st, 2022, kicking off National Entrepreneurial Month. The Entrepreneurial Spirit Fund is in connection of Sia Scotch Whiskey's nearly decade-long commitment to donating a portion of sales to organizations that help support unrepresented entrepreneurs, the dreamers, movers, and shakers who are shaping our future. Now grab your favorite Sia whiskey cocktail, sit back, relax, and enjoy this really fun show. welcome to Served Up. I am so excited to have you on today's show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Can you tell our listeners a bit about your background, you know, where you grew up and mostly, you know, what really interests you in the Scotch world? Ah, <laughs> well,
1: this is a, a, a fun journey that I'm about to share with you. So um, I think when you, when you think that you're going to meet with a a founder of a scotch brand you might have have someone in mind right that this might be uh, maybe an older scottish man with a beautiful accent who maybe grew up in the distilling world or um, was in the the industry for many many years but instead you've got me (laughs) i am a cuban american i grew up in miami florida i live in napa valley i'm not from the industry so so my journey was was really interesting to get to, to where I am today, and, and I'm happy to share that with you. So um, yeah, as I said, I'm uh, the daughter of Cuban immigrants. I grew up in Miami, Florida. I studied graphic design. Um, I moved to New York City when I was 19 to pursue that as a career. And I worked for major media corporations like ABC News and Writers there. And then I moved to California um, in my 30s, and I, I worked for a lot of tech startups in Silicon Valley. Um, And that was my job, but my passion is scotch. So I first fell in love with scotch in my early 20s. One day after work, my friend says to me, hey, do you want to grab a glass of scotch? And I said, "Eh, no, I don't really drink scotch. (laughs) And he said, well, have you ever tried it? And I said, yeah, once, you know, I didn't, I didn't like it. And he said, once, that's like saying that you had a glass of red wine once, and now you don't drink any red wine at all. So the problem here is that you just haven't found your brand, and I'm going to take you on a whiskey adventure. And I said, okay, cool. So that night, I went to a whiskey bar with him and some friends, and I tried uh, maybe about four different whiskeys, and I was hooked. Um, I was really captivated by the bartender telling me these stories about these blenders and these whiskey makers that were putting product into barrels for future generations as they aged as a legacy. And I thought that was really beautiful. And I really love the idea that that scotch is a, a drink that connects people in real life, you, you really take your time over a glass of whiskey. You go slow. It's not a party drink. It's not a shot. You really have this, this moment of connection. And so that really stuck with me. And, and through the years, I, I became that kind of annoying friend that was always trying to convince everyone else to drink scotch. Um, <laughs> at the time, my girlfriends were all drinking Cosmos and my guy friends were all drinking Red Bull Vodkas. And, and here I was like you know, basically like, pushing scotch on my friends. And and they all kind of had that same moment, you know, that I had of that hesitation of, you know, maybe it's too expensive or maybe it's too smoky or too strong. And and so I got really curious about, you know, how how can I convince people to drink this spirit that I love so much? And so I went on a little bit of a, a curiosity adventure, visiting Scotland, going on distillery tours, reading books, became certified as a whiskey ambassador. Um, I even got my bartending license so that I could learn how to make scotch cocktails. <laughs> um, and then, um, yeah, finally I had this, this aha moment of, uh, I was making blends in my kitchen, uh, it was something I had been reading about in books about, about blenders. And, and I came up with this, this recipe that I thought, this is it. This is how I could introduce a whole new generation, a younger demographic to the spirit that I love so much. So, um, that was, uh, back in let's see, I guess almost 12 years ago. (laughs) And that's when the the real work began.
0: Take me back, like just a little bit, you know, what was, what was really in your mind, especially being a a Cuban um, American approaching this sometimes complicated, right? Category. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is not like vodka (laughs) and it, and it is so deeply steeped in Scotland and And it is not um, the simplest to make either. So kind of what was going through your mind when you started to really approach that category and to be blending in your kitchen, <laughs> like, that's amazing. Yeah. That's so, amazing. So what was kind of, what was in your head?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, so first I, you know, the, the, the whiskeys that I used in that original blend, I obviously approached all those distilleries and they said no. <laughs> um, so then I thought, okay, well, you know, it's a blend. So I'm going after a flavor profile. I'm not necessarily trying to target specific regions of Scotland or percentages of malt and grain. I really just want to make sure that, that I nailed this, this flavor profile. And it was very specific. Um, what I learned in doing all of these kind of tasting events and demos through the years was, um, was what would turn most people off uh, to whiskey. If they were kind of new to it was um, the nose. So the nose is almost 80% of the taste experience. And if you, you know, you, you smell that there might be, you know, too much, let's say smoke or peat on the nose. Then your mind has already decided that that you might not like it, right? And so it's really important that I wanted um only vanilla and caramel on the nose, really inviting notes, um, in the mid palette, some citrus and honey, and then just a really gentle, smooth finish. So how I got there um, was just more about approaching um master blenders. And, and so I wrote to about 80 different people. <laughs> um, and I got rejected 80 different times. And this is, you know, through the course of, of many, many months. Um you know, no, we can't help you. No, we don't do that. No, we don't work with outside companies, just flat, flat out. No. <laughs> um, and I remember it was the 81st person that finally said yes to me. And it was actually a set of sisters um, who call themselves the whiskey sisters. Um, they are taking over their father's scotch importing business. And they, they said, yes, we love this idea. You know, we we fully support bringing more younger people into this category and we have connections to to help you get started. So Um, yeah, through the years, we worked for many years together and then eventually they became partners in the business.
0: Wow. 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 I love the fact that, you know, this is especially women supporting women because in this category, like you originally said that um, typically we do think of maybe that white older gentleman, maybe drinking it and definitely, you know, the Scottish man really making it. So it's really exciting, you know, read, re-introducing um, this really beautiful spirit to a different demographic, oh, you, know? thank you and, yeah, and I... we've been here all along, you know, <laughs> so what we do sense, especially, I do feel, especially with this particular category, we kind of, kind of get left in the back.
1: Oh, thank you. I, I do like to say that she is an equal opportunity whiskey. <laughs> we are for, for everyone, <laughs> for him, her, there, um, for, for all people. Um, but it has been really enlightening to see that all of these, these big doors for me as, a, as an entrepreneur have been mostly opened for me by other women. Um, so that's been just just fantastic to see the, the change that's occurred in our, in our industry over the last decade.
0: Yeah. And thank goodness, because it truly is like about time, right? Yes. <laughs> it's definitely about time. You know, what do you say to folks that are listening that have never considered scotch? You know, especially those who, you know, may like, like you said, like the cosmopolitans or, you know, uh, sweet wines, things like that, you know, what are the words that you say to just get them curious about the category?
1: So the way that I like to invite people, um, many a time is through a cocktail. Um, I think, you know, sometimes if you're trying it neat, um, that might be a little overpowering for someone that's new to the category. Um, I do always say to, to try whiskey neat first, <laughs> um, cause if you add water or ice to begin with, it kind of changes it and you can't really go backwards. So it's almost stair-step like neat little water ice if you want. Um, but for cocktails, I think it's, um, most of the time when I do demos, we do, um, either an old fashioned with Sia or we'll do what I like to call a Glasgow mule instead of a Moscow mule. Um, so it's just Sia with ginger beer and a squeeze of lime. So it doesn't overly mask the whiskey um but it helps to, to kind of bring out some of those other notes and then other cocktails that i think you know i like to say that c is an unexpected blend everything you'd never expect from a whiskey so the fact that it's so versatile um i sometimes i even challenge or dare someone to try swapping it for their favorite cocktail base spirit um so be it a bourbon or a rye or a vodka tequila mezcal whatnot like try it with sia And um, that could be like an espresso martini. It could be a tiki cocktail. It could be, you know, an old fashioned with a split base with mezcal. Um, I've been doing Oaxacan penicillins lately. So just really kind of saying like, you know, try this and you might be surprised. And then something else I've recently been doing um, is that, you know, rather than saying um, at an event, like, would you like to try a new blended Scotch whiskey? (laughs) I'll just invite someone to say, would you like to try a new whiskey? And then, you know, most of the time they're like, sure. Um, But I think sometimes when people think about scotch, they almost brace for impact and they think that, you know, it's going to be too much. And then when they try SIA, they're like, this is fantastic. This is so smooth. And I love seeing that that kind of that that guard let down because, um, you know, it it takes me back to that moment that I had so many years ago. Um, So, yeah.
0: Oh my goodness. I I think that that's so amazing because it's not always easy introducing anybody to anything. (laughs) You know what I mean? Changes always can be a little scary. So that's a really nice way to get people a little curious about Sia. Can Can you tell me more about how the name Sia came to be and a bit about your process, really bringing this to life? Bringing, oh, bringing Sia to life? Would love to hear more about that. Sure. Yeah. So,
1: you know, coming up with the name is is very challenging. <laughs> um, I think I, I spent more time coming up with the name for the brand than I did for for my daughter's <laughs> name. Um, but I, you know, I got stuck quite a bit. Um, some of the names that I was exploring were already taken um, in our category. and And so, you know, again, I had those moments where You kind of like take a breath and regroup. And and there was this moment that I had that I thought, you know, let me go through the Scottish Gaelic dictionary. Um, And so I went through it word by word and I landed on Sia and it means the number six. And I thought this is great because six is my favorite number. And there are also six whiskeys in the original blend for Sia. But um, I also uh, love, as a friend pointed out to me later in the journey, that SIA could stand for Scotch is awesome. (laughs) I thought that was pretty fun. Um, The designer in me also likes it. It's a, a name that's very short and easy to pronounce in a category that, you know, sometimes has a little bit more complicated to pronounce names. Um, And also because it's so short, it could be very large on the label. Um, And, you know, I'm in my mid 40s. So when I sit at a bar and I can't see the the brands in front of me and I'm squinting, uh, you know, at a dark bar, I like that there's a bold, uh, bold name that I can easily pick out on the shelf. And that came into the bottle shape as well. It's, It's very different. Um, by design, I talked to bartenders, bar managers and store managers about the shape of the bottle to make sure it really is usable for them. Right. And, um, a lot of the bartenders and and bar managers said, you know, make sure it fits in my speed rack or my well, or, um, you know, make sure it has a nice long neck that I can pour and make cocktails with, or please don't put any foil because I always get cut (laughs) with the capsules of of the whiskey bottles. So, um, you know, all these things. And and it always surprises me, like sometimes people don't take into account who's going to be using their product. Um, in terms of, you know, usability for, for the shape of the bottle, um, same thing for the stores. they all said, you know, make sure it doesn't take up two, two facings on my shelf. <laughs> um, cause that's, that's time and money and even things like a box. Like I chose to not use a box for the brand, um, because, you know, it cost me a dollar, but it costs the customer maybe three or $4 at the end of it. Right. And, um, and then the same thing, if it's just being thrown away, um, by a bar or restaurant, what's the point, Right. Um, so that's a little bit about the, the name and the product, um, in terms of the journey. Um, so I, I, I said, I was a graphic designer, you know, I, I, I didn't have a bunch of money saved up for this. And so I maxed out credit cards. I took on a second job where I was doing freelance design work at night. I, um, I took out a home equity line of credit against my, my house. And then finally, I still didn't quite have enough for that first production batch. So I did something that was relatively unknown at the time. Um, so if you go in your way back machine to 2012, I used a then relatively unknown website called Kickstarter to crowdfund the first production batch of Sia. So it was awesome because we were able to raise almost $50,000 in 28 days from over 250 people all over the world who were already asking, hey, where can I buy a bottle of Sia before a single drop had hit US soil? So I was off to the races and that made me, as far as I know, the first Hispanic person in history to create a brand of Scotch and also the first American woman to do so as well. So um, that was just the beginning of it. And then, you know, from there, the brand really started taking off. Um, We were able to get a lot of press off the bat. Uh, We received some incredible awards, like a 96 point rating from the Ultimate Spirits Challenge, a double gold from San Francisco, Uh, Rolling Stone uh, just listed us in their their top 13 whiskeys as recommended. So It's been, um, it's been incredible to see how well it's been received by the industry, especially for, you know, a brand that is still very relatively new in a category that's literally hundreds of years old.
0: I'm so proud of you. (laughs) Thank you. Really like, you know, hearing your story and, you know, I, I know how tough it can be as well on the entrepreneur side, which is a story for another day, but your journey is just one of pure fate right? It was just very much meant to be. What was that moment um, like for you when you held your first bottle and really saw the packaging and the juice inside? Like, tell me about that magical day.
1: You know, I I get this, this package, you know, from, from Scotland with our prototype, if you will. And I, I literally just cried. I thought like, wow, this is so wild to hold this in my hands, um, after having worked for, you know, almost two decades, creating things that were digital and virtual, um, and that were, that were created so that people could spend more time staring at their screens. And here I was finally with this, this legacy that I wanted to create, which was leaving human connection behind, leaving these moments behind. And now I have this vehicle to do it. And it was just, you know, it was a really beautiful full circle moment for me. Um, to kind of take me back to that, that first time that I was able to do that for someone. And and I think about how many, how many conversations, how many moments have been shared over a glass of sea. And that, that just, it warms my heart <laughs> not to be so cheesy, but it's just, it's really special to me.
0: Yeah. There's nothing cheesy um, about that <laughs> at all. I mean, you're really bringing something to life, right? In uh in such a beautiful way. You know, can you talk to me just a bit about maybe some of the struggles that you had when you had this idea and what, what were your family and friends saying? Oh, uh, I mean, like what was no, it long No, it is, it is, but would love to understand some of those struggles and how you overcame them and what really kept you pushing forward. So let's see where to begin. Yeah, I uh I think. What
1: it kind of takes me back to is there was this time when I was in high school um, and um, my, I told my parents that I wanted to study graphic design. And they, they, you know, my mom was just vehemently against it. She said, like, no, you, know, you need to be a lawyer, or a doctor. You know, we, we struggled so hard to, to give you this, this life and this upbringing and this education. And, and you can't just make paintings and sell them on the side of the road. And I was like, mommy, I'm not going to do that. It's commercial or it's very different. She just didn't quite understand it. Um, But my dad, on the other hand, was, was so sweet. Um, He, you know, he was kind of forced into a career that he didn't want to do. And, and so one day we were at, I think it was Barnes and Noble or Borders or one of, one of those bookstores back then. Um, And he, uh, you know, he was in the, I said, I wanted to do graphic design for magazines. And so he he said, well, which of these magazines, you know, would you want to work for? And I said, you know, and I kind of showed him the different magazines that I thought were really cool, that had good, good design. So he picked them up and he bought them. And, you know, this was kind of strange to me. So we get back to his house and he brings them to a table with a stack of like papers and a pen. And he's like, open, he opened up the masthead of each of the magazines. And he's like, you know, who would be your boss at these magazines? And I said, well, the art director. And so he's like, I want you to write a letter to each of them. And I was like, what do you mean? Like a letter? Uh, this is like 95 or something. And so he said, um, yeah, you know, just say that you are a you know, high school student. You're considering studying graphic design and that something you'd love to work for their magazine. And that you'd love to visit them in New York and maybe understand more how, how their industry works. And so I just kind of laughed. I was like, okay, sure. So I did this and then mailed these out. And then it was almost like when you get letters back from different colleges, I was getting letters from, you know, Time Magazine, Scientific American, Sports Illustrated Life, and every single one of them said, yes, absolutely. Come, come meet with us. We'd love to, you know, to show you around. And so, I, I took a week with my brother and went to New York and visited all of these incredible magazines and then came back and I was just like, wow, you know, I don't want to work in a magazine, but I want to work for their digital departments because this is what was taking off at the time. And, and so that's kind of where, where it all started. And so that kind of just perseverance and asking for what you want has shown up so many times in my life. And when I told you that, you know, I wrote to 80 different distilleries, (laughs) when I write to, you know, a hundred different magazines or publications to get a story about Sia, or when I write to, when I was looking for a distributor and I reached out and called every single person on LinkedIn that I could find. I think that that's where that, that root comes from of just like, keep going, keep trying and just ask for what you want.
0: Yeah. Really always ask the question. Yeah. (laughs) I love that you took the time though, to visit these places and not not to be scared to reach out and to write to them. Because I do feel that a lot of times we hesitate to not push ourselves forward in in a way that is maybe unique um, yeah. to the process. Right. Like, you,
1: you know, to do something that's a little bit different. Right. Like if everybody is sending an email, then maybe you send like a, an actual snail mail, <laughs> you know, yeah. or maybe you pick up the phone and call someone like you do something that's just a little bit different because, you know, Like in your mind, it's always like, what if they say no? But if you just change that perspective and you say, well, what if they say yes? And then, and you start to imagine what that looks like, then the whole world opens up to you.
0: Yeah. And then what do you do when they do say yes, right? (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of the next part of the conversation. So what did you do?
1: Oh gosh. And then, you know, then there's the, um, the extra challenging part of once you have some success and this kind of brings it a little bit towards what our grant program is about is that, that you need money to execute so much of this in our industry. And, you know, if, if you're not from a very wealthy family, um, you know, which, which I wasn't, if you, you know, didn't grow up in the industry and have all these connections, which I didn't, um, it becomes really challenging. Right. And so raising money in, in our industry, um, is a little bit difficult. And I mean, I can only speak from my perspective as, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I know that the statistics say that, you know, for, for people of color and for, for women in particular, it's very, very challenging. I think Mm -hmm. we still only, and this is in the venture world is less than 2%. So bringing it back even smaller to small businesses that are bootstrapping is even more challenging. Um, getting loans, getting credit cards, you know, working second, third jobs, whatever you can to kind of bootstrap your business. And so that's what I was doing. And, um, and yeah, I think, uh, same thing. I, I, I reached out to over, you know, two, three hundred investors at a certain wow. point to, to raise money for Sia. And time and time again, just kind of kept get getting that door slammed in my face. Right. Um, and so it was really important to me, um, kind of in, in honor of giving back towards every single person who took a phone call when I was starting the business and giving me some advice some support. Um, I do the same now. I mentor for seven different uh, entrepreneurship organizations. And then we also created our own. So the first year with SIA, um, I gave, I kind of tallied up my sales at the end of the year. And I said, well, what can I give back? And that year, the first year was only like hundred dollars. And then the second year was uh, maybe $200 to, you know, an, an organization that helped uh, minority entrepreneurs in the food industry. And then, you know, third, fourth, and I'm really proud to say that last year we were able to donate a quarter of a million dollars grants to minority entrepreneurs. So we gave $10,000 to 25 small business owners of color um, across the United States. And during COVID, especially it was a time when this money meant they could keep someone employed, they could pay their rent, they could buy equipment that helped them to expand their business. They were able to do a kind of a marketing or digital marketing campaign that they needed during COVID. And so um, besides the money, I also donated six months of personal uh, time in mentoring each of these entrepreneurs. And the beauty that I saw from it was the community that was built between the entrepreneurs that had so many of the same challenges and now regularly stay in touch and do do different um, initiatives and campaigns together. So um, I'm really proud to say that we're continuing this program and we'll be relaunching it in the fall. So you can check back at csscotchwhiskey.com for more details about the grant program. We'll have applications open for about eight weeks in the fall.
0: Oh my goodness. I mean, that is huge. It's huge, you know, that you've already worked so hard to build something so unique, beautifully unique and wonderful, but then to be so thoughtful, to give back. And then on top of that, to really create a community it's no small thing. It's no small thing. And if we all took a minute to do just something similar, the world would be a better place. I mean, oh. it's truly beautiful what you're, what you're doing and what you've done. And I don't know if you could speak more to the grant process, you know, who's eligible and what yeah, does that, uh, what does that look like um, for the listeners that may, maybe their ears just perked up and said, I would like to be part of this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, on the website, we'll have full details, but just at a high level, the business has to be at least 51% owned by someone who identifies as a person of color. It has to be a for-profit business um, producing less than a million dollars in annual gross revenue. Um, because we are an alcohol business, uh, the grant recipient cannot be tied to an alcohol beverage retail license holder, such as a bar or a restaurant or a hotel that sells alcohol. Um, or another business that makes alcohol. And in terms of the person, um, it's open to all legal permanent residents or citizens of the U.S. at least 25 years and older um, and have a, um, the owner has to be authorized um, in terms of to participate in the program.
0: And then what does that mentorship, will you continue that like with yeah, you? That's so we'll... a lot of time to <laughs> give. And, that, and that's the most precious thing from us that we can give is our time. That's yeah. more valuable than than the money itself, right? Than the financial backing. So you will you will continue that um, absolutely with this next yeah. round.
1: Yeah. So what we do is both a group mentorship where all of the grant recipients um, join onto Zoom calls and get to know each other, um, and then also individual one on one mentorships with each of the grant recipients. Um, and then what uh, what we did last year, which was awesome, was there were there were some standouts that were excellent at certain. Let's um, say pillars of business. So, one recipient, for example, was incredible at email marketing, and I saw that this was a big gap for many of the other grant recipients. So I asked her if she could lead a session on it, and so she she led you know a two hour email marketing you know the session and and was basically like deep dived into people's campaigns, um, their promotions, how how and when they they segment their audience. It was incredible. So it was great to see um, some of that knowledge being shared because it's more than what I knew. Right. So, um, when I was able to see, Hey, you're amazing at like drop shipping, could you, you know, pair up with these two businesses that are having a hard time finding, you know, you know, different three PO providers.
0: How are you enjoying Sia? Uh, we haven't talked about that yet. You know, how do you drink Sia?
1: Yeah. So I love to drink Sia neat. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's my go-to. Um, I, I love drinking it in different cocktails that I read about or when different uh, bartenders or brand ambassadors post recipes, I, I buy all the the ingredients and I make them at home um, mm-hmm. to, to test them out. Um, one thing that I love to do is just cold brew coffee with Sia is also Ooh. it pairs really well because the coffee notes pair really well with the vanilla and the caramel notes of the whiskey. Um, and yeah, I think uh, some of these, these newer kind of trendier drinks like um, tiki drinks um, are really fun. But One that I tried recently that I was just blown away was just a straight daiquiri. So just like lime and simple syrup. It was so delicious. And again, it it kind of goes back to that ethos of being just unexpected, like everything you'd never expect from a whiskey.
0: Yeah, really. And, you know, and I know that our community, and I'm speaking of the beverage community now, they they're not always um, welcoming, right. To, to new ideas, Um, again, you know, change can be painful. And so offering, you know, some new ideas around, you know, maybe a Sia and a Daiquiri, you know, how are you really breaking through that wall that sometimes the bartenders can put up to try something new?
1: Yeah, I think um I've I've seen a lot of fun and interesting campaigns that originate from collaborations with both the chef and the bartender as well. Mm-hmm. Um so one thing that we've done recently or last year and we'll do it again this year was for Hispanic Heritage Month. So from September 15th to October 15th we did this whole campaign where we used ingredients that were highlighting Ingredients found in Hispanic or Latin cuisine. So we did cocktails that had lime and coconut, one that had pineapple, one that had cinnamon and chocolate mole bitters. And one oh, wow. that, um, oh, that even had cilantro in it and paired with a dish that the chef made that goes with the cocktail. So it was a really fun collaboration to see that, that kind of ingenuity. Um, so I've also kind of um, created different cocktail recipes that are cuisine specific. So Um, you know, cocktails that are just for Italian restaurants or just for, you know, Asian or Japanese restaurants or Indian cuisine and, you know, using some of those more traditional ingredients found in, in the cuisine, in the cocktail. So that's been kind of a a fun way to, to kind of show people the versatility of the cocktail Mm -hmm. Um, to not think about just a typical like blood and sand or Rob Roy, which are delicious, but also like, let's try something new, (laughs) you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> so um, so that's been a, a lot of fun, and then even you know just um, some other really simple things that I never would have thought about. Um, someone said you know just to try sia with a um, an ice cube made out of coconut water, a really Ooh. large coconut water ice cube, and it was so delicious because as it melted, you get all these different different textures, different notes of the coconut coming through um, in in the nose, in the mid palate, in the finish. And then the last one that I had recently that was really delicious was a take on on a lemon drop so almost like a sidecar mm. it's so a sugar mm-hmm. rim with you know triple sec and see it was just so delicious um and yeah I was again really just surprised by the versatility uh, and the uses of of Sia in different spirits
0: Yeah that's really exciting because everyone's palate is so different you know so it sounds like that you can really make something for everyone and you know one thing that I learned through covid you know through especially during lockdown where so many of the home home bartenders, let's call them you know the consumers, really were um being a little more adventurous and what they were making um at home mm-hmm. and were really challenging themselves right to use ingredients that they could find in their pantry and um from the produce aisle. And so when you speak to the consumers, you know, about cocktails, because their styles are definitely different than typically the bartenders. Maybe they don't have a muddler, let's say, really have all the right tools. You know, what is your advice to the home bartender?
1: Oh, I think that it doesn't need to be complicated. So I think almost all the recipes that we have on our website are that way of just very simple Easy to make cocktails that don't require you to like learn how to make tinctures or you know, create some really complicated syrup. Um, so it's just yeah, finding finding things that are a little bit more simple and basic, like a decorate, right? Or Mm -hmm. like, you know, an espresso martini or an old fashioned. Um, and so yeah, being able to make cocktails that that don't require you to, you know, to go out and buy something new or to go make something that's going to take a couple days. Um, Cause when you want to drink, you kind of want it then. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah I, I agree. I agree. You want something just simple and delicious, right? Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. What is the future for Sia? You know, what is that legacy that, that you would like to leave behind? Yeah.
1: So I think um, a big part of what we're doing right now is just to continue to grow the brand because as the brand grows, we get to help more people and more entrepreneurs um, to help fulfill their dreams and their passions, and and bring it back full circle, and that just that's that's what wakes me up in the morning. That's what keeps me going when I'm having a hard day, and that's you know that's the legacy that I want to pass on is that that this is something that can inspire someone to do something that's a little unexpected to challenge these conventions and, and to to really go beyond what you think that you're capable of doing. Um, in terms of the brand, we're definitely expanding to new markets over the next year. Um, I think we're growing from six markets to now 15 markets. We are fortunate that we were able to get our cogs down substantially, which means that now we can finally play in the bar and restaurant space in a way that we weren't able to a few years ago. Um, and I'm so excited about that because the brand is so cocktail versatile. Um, and it's really like where it's, it's meant to play. So I'm really excited for that. And then, yeah, just to continue to do more work with, with other small business owners. Um, you know, I, I take calls several times a week from small business owners that are struggling that just need some advice in, in and outside of our industry um, and to continue to grow, grow the grant program that way to help more, more people.
0: That's all great stuff. Oh, you know, just continue <laughs> to just grow and grow and just, you know, and do you see this brand as being generational? You said you had a a daughter, so I am very curious. Yeah, so I actually have three. You have three? Yeah. Oh, we didn't Uh, talk about them. What do they think about their mama? It's so cute. (laughs) I think um, when my
1: oldest was in kindergarten, this was a a couple years ago, they asked, you know, what does your mommy do? And she said, mommy makes whiskey. (laughs) And they said, what does daddy do? She said, daddy makes phone calls. (laughs) I think (laughs) it's really cute to just kind of see see it from their perspective. Um, You know, they... They're growing up in Napa, um, where we are surrounded by other families that are in the wine industry. So it's it's not a strange thing for them to understand that this is you know a, a business that it's a product that it involves going to grocery stores and you know getting on a lot of airplanes and you know hand selling, mm-hmm. um, and to to really just show them the the value of of hard work um, mm-hmm. and that also you know as as a woman in the industry to do things that are that are new right and that are kind of changing the face of our industry and to kind of open doors for other people that, that look like me that have their mm-hmm. the same kind of story that I had um, and to, to be able to sort of chip away at, at these kind of old stereotypes and notions and, and I hope that I can inspire them and that they you know in turn inspire other people um, in whatever career or profession that they choose.
0: you're definitely breaking through the glass ceiling I mean it's it's incredible it truly is I, I, I for one I've been in the industry for over 25 years for a very long time. And, um, so many times and being the only woman in the room or the only woman working behind the bar, your story inspires me. Oh, and, I had a sweet
1: moment the other day. I'd know, love to share with you. Yes, please. Uh, so, I, um, I think at one of my second distributor meetings, I went into the room and it was 11.00 older white men and me. Mm-hmm. And to me it was very strange, but to them they probably it's just like all oh, these are the people they work with every day so no big deal. Right. Um but it was very it was strange for me and I thought wow like there's like this is a really just bizarre ratio. Here. Yeah. <laughs> like does any woman work here? And and so that was, you know, almost a decade ago. And then the other day I was on a Zoom call and it was uh two buyers from a major retailer um who were both women. Um the two people from the distributor and um were as our representatives were women and me, and so it was five five women, and you know, not a man in sight. And I just like I took a moment and I said, "Hey, I just I just want to walk you through what happened to me like ten years ago to like fast forward to where I am now and just to acknowledge this moment and and how far we've come." Mm-hmm. And I think it was just I think it was unspoken, and it was nice to speak that into existence so people were aware of it and and saw this amazing moment of progress that we're having.
0: Yeah. Oh, I. That must have felt really, really good, you know, to to be in that room. Seriously, like just felt really, really good. Like, okay, we are making some progress and we need to continue to make progress. So we don't need to to think about who's in the room with us. Exactly. Yeah.
1: To the point where it's not something that we think about, right? No,
0: no. And and representation does matter. Mm -hmm. You know, it does matter. And you know, the more that people that we have at the table that don't look like us, or you know, that are or that do look like us, I should say, and just a a nice mixture of different people, the more unique the ideas are. Yeah. Right. Um, The more beautiful the people people that are drinking our
1: spirits, right? Like yes, because the people that are drinking our spirits are so diverse, and so the people that that work at the spirits should also be that way too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. I really do. I, I love the work that you're doing. And if you could please let us know one more time, the website, if you could please repeat that on where the listeners can find, um, can find you and the handles, We you know, what are your social media handles? Would love to know those as well.
1: Uh, thank you. So it's a S scotch whiskey.com S I a scotch And then same thing for Instagram, Facebook, all of our social media is the same
0: Perfect. And then our listeners really, you know, listen up here, listeners, you need to be checking out the website, checking in early fall, and, you know, look for that grant program, tell your friends, no dream is too small, right? No idea is too small. And like Karin said, uh, ask the questions, right? Never be afraid to ask the question. Is there anything... Any last words you'd like to leave us with, leave um, the listeners with? Let's see.
1: <laughs> I think we've covered so much. Um, yeah, I would just like to thank everyone for, for listening and hearing my story and my journey. And um, I hope that it inspires you or someone else to do something that, that's maybe a little unexpected today.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. On behalf of the Served Up family, I just want to wish you just some great health and a lot of peace. And I want to thank you so much for sharing your incredible journey. Thank you so much for
1: having me, Bridget. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, cheers to you and cheers to Sia. We can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers!